Welcome to Words, Wobbles and Wisdom, an honest and fun body positive podcast by me, Anne-Marie Miles. Are you struggling with your weight? Do you wish that you didn't think about food so often? Are there days when you'd wrestle a toasted sandwich off an alligator? Well then, this might just be the podcast for you. I share my story, a lifelong battle with weight, food and mental health struggles. I share it alongside some of my writing on the subject and some of the wisdom I've gleaned from my life as a Christian. So join me for this week's episode of Words, Wobbles and Wisdom. Hello there. Welcome to Words, Wobbles and Wisdom. This is part one of a two-part series, an interview with Fran Hill, who's the writer of a funny but very poignant book called Miss, what does incomprehensible mean? So we're going to have part one of the interview this week. You're really going to enjoy this chat. Fran has made her bathroom mirror and her bathroom scales characters in the book and they respond to how she looks of a morning. And of course, what that really reflects is how we think about ourselves, isn't it? When we stand on the scales and when we look in the mirror. So it's a really great chat that I had with Fran and I'm looking forward to letting you hear part one. Here we go. So this week on Words, Wobbles and Wisdom, I am delighted to welcome Fran Hill to the podcast. Fran, you're very welcome to Words, Thank Wobbles and Wisdom. Thank you very much for having me. Fran, I have to say I loved your book, Miss What Does Incomprehensible Mean? Absolutely loved that book and we're going to talk about that in a bit. But first of all, tell us who you are, where you are and what you do with yourself. Okay. Well, I'm Fran Hill. I'm in Leamington Spa, which is in Warwickshire in the middle of the UK. I'm an English teacher, so I've been teaching for about 20 years or so. That was my second career. I used to work in the NHS as a medical secretary. That was my first career Mm -hmm. after school. Uh, I live with my husband. I've got three grown-up kids and two grandchildren. I have no pets because the landlord doesn't let us have pets, which is very upsetting. You would like a Uh, pet? We would love a pet. We would love a dog. We were in one of those contracts that says no pets and you can't really hide a dog. The landlord comes around quite often. (laughs) You might be able to hide a budgie, but a dog. Yeah, but the St. Bernard we've been thinking of, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You'd have to dress and make him into a chair or something. Sit very still. Yeah, or an occasional table, you know. (laughs) Rest your coffee on there, sir. Yeah, so... um, I've been writing for about 25 years as well. Started off mainly doing nonfiction writing for magazines Mm -hmm. and articles and features and things like that. And then gradually moved into writing fiction. Mm. Um, So my first book was called Being Miss, which is a novella, like half half a whole book. Mm. And that was about a day in the life of a teacher. Okay. And then so you I didn't moved just on. write half a book. The book <laughs> have a bit in the middle. Well, and, and then say I've had enough of this. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I did try and pitch it to various publishers, but mm. rightly they came back and said. Uh, some said that we think it's really funny, but it's mm. so thin it'll just fall down the back of a bookshelf. Mm. You know, in a bookshop. Yeah. And if you're, I didn't know this at the time because I just was green. If you're a new writer, generally they won't publish a novella. Oh, right. Okay. If you're famous, you can write really short books and they publish them in massive fonts with big margins. Okay. And sell them for 10.99. Nice. Okay. I will keep uh, that in mind. 
Yeah. <laughs> just need to get, get a bit famous and then, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then um, I moved on to writing Miss What Does Incomprehensible Mean, which is the book mm. that we're talking about today. And that is about a year in the mm-hmm. life of an English teacher. So I'm moving up. Mm. I don't think I'll do the one about a decade in the life <laughs> of an English teacher. <laughs> well, it will be one of those big, thick books that doesn't fall down the back of a book. Yeah, that's there, right. In yeah. fact, it'll take up the whole bookshelf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's me. So, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, from what I've gathered from your writing, and I know you've got a blog as well, but I mean, your blog is really for teachers, but I read your blog anyway. I'm not a teacher, but... Yeah, no, actually, my blog isn't about teaching at all. I don't really write about teaching in my blog. No. You write about words and stuff, though, don't you? No, not not really. Um, Why I write. You blog? Yeah, I've been writing my blog for about 15 years now, and I've deliberately avoided the subject of teaching most of the time because it's a public blog, and while I was teaching in schools, oh, I wouldn't cool. really have been able to do that. So my blog is more of a sort of observational, I found this funny, I'm going to write about it and see okay. if you do. Yeah. I think I might be reading the wrong blog. I've got your blog. Ah. Oh, that's the other Fran Hill. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. oh yeah. The yeah. one with big, thick books that yeah. are <laughs> sturdy on bookshelves in shops. Yeah. yeah. So what one. about, I mean, you do bring the funny for me. Yeah. I and I loved like, yeah. Miss What Does Incomprehensible I Mean. Now, my yeah. husband was a primary school teacher for many years, so I could yeah. connect with that. You know, when, when I met him, he was a primary school teacher. He's now a pastor. And I have said to him, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> you are a teacher when I met you. What yeah. has happened? But, and I remember him going through an Ofsted, and I remember being in his classroom, you know, at stupid o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, other teachers yeah. in the school as well. Mm-hmm. taking stuff down off the boards, putting up displays and stuff. So I totally got all that kind of Ofsted preparation. And, and the way it takes uh, over your life. And yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And the one teacher on the team who did nothing and just seemed to get away with it. All the mm-hmm. time, you know, and, <laughs> and I really, so I really, I really could connect. I could connect with that. But what I loved, you know, from the purposes of, of words, wobbles and wisdom, what I really loved was that you made your mirror, your bathroom mirror, and your bathroom weighing scales, characters in the book. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Well, that happened because when I did, I was commissioned to write the book by Tony Collins, who's a commissioning editor for mm-hmm. SPCK, who published it. And I sent him the first two weeks of the diary because it's it's written as a diary, mm-hmm. a bit like Bridget Jones, but sort of in the classroom. And he asked me to write two weeks of the diary and send it to him. And I think I mentioned the mirror. I think I said something like I said to mirror in Mm -hmm. the morning. And Tony came back and said, you know, I think you could develop that. Yeah. So, yeah, I I took it totally to the extremes and brought in bathroom scales as well. Mm -hmm. And as you may have noticed towards the end of the book, although spoiler, I won't. I wouldn't say another inanimate bathroom (laughs) object (laughs) joins in and it's like they kind of join forces against her. Mm. Um, against me in the book and I think I really liked the idea because it's funny Mm. but I think it really reflected the way I felt that the mirror and the scales and to be honest it's no different now this Mm. is not something I've been cured from (laughs) and the way that I let them rule over my day a little bit Mm -hmm. they're kind of the arbiters the judges of my day so yeah, yeah. you know if I get on the scales and I've put weight on 
Mm. My mood changes. Yeah. I look in the mirror and there's this mm. massive menopausal mm. spot <laughs> <laughs> lighting up my nose like a beacon. Yeah. My mood changes. And I think yeah. having them as characters who who I regularly meet in the mornings, yeah. I think reflected that. Yeah. That really kind of fun. obsession yeah. with image. I thought it was really interesting that your your scales was a gentler character than the mirror. Yeah. The I don't mirror think the mirror ever yeah. Yeah. Um, really said anything nice, maybe tempered a little bit towards the end, but the scale sometimes would kind of go, oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Tough, you know, that's that's tough look. But yeah. um, the, the mirror was usually the quite... The mirror is scathing. Mm. Um, yeah. I've got a, I've typed out a couple of extracts actually of the what the mirror says. Do oh yeah, read do read them. them. Yeah. Okay, so um, the first mention of the mirror is on Monday, the fourth of September, which is the first day of the book. Yeah. And it's just a couple of sentences. Three hours sleep last night in bathroom this morning. Complained to mirror. Mirror has a capital letter. Mm-hmm. Why the angst, the self doubt, so early in the term? It's sniggered. You're 55, as plump as a cushion, and your face is sinking. Any further questions? <laughs> so that's an example of mirrors scathing, yeah. <laughs> scathingness, which is not a word. Yeah. Um, one more here. Monday, 6th of November. Twin spots still throbbing away this morning. Tried shouting, out damned spots. It worked for me as well as it worked for Lady Macbeth. <laughs> Mirror said, let's hope that's the end of the similarities between her destiny and yours. <laughs> but as you said, bathroom scales is kinder. Yeah, so bathroom yeah. scales says things like, um, I've got a bit about mirror here. And then bathroom mm-hmm. scales comes in. I swear my face is sinking further like a landslide. I pulled up both jowls in front of the mirror with my hands to see what it used to look like. <laughs> a chin, mirror said. Nostalgia. <laughs> I let the jowls down again, like dropping bread dough into a mixing bowl. Bathroom scales of no help to suit self-worth. Two pounds on again. Will that be the fish and chips? They said mildly. Brilliant. So, yeah, you're right. They, they, bathroom scales is kinder, but they kind of join forces a bit more towards the end of the book. Yes. Yeah. And I can totally get that standing in front of the mirror. Oh, gosh. And even that kind of lifting up the face and going, oh, yeah, I remember. I remember my cheeks yeah. used to be up there or that skin used to be up there or whatever. Yeah. Those um, were the days, my friend. Yeah, I know. Got <laughs> me with the days. You've got the mirror speaking and the weighing scale speaking. But I mean, really, those things are it's really what's going on inside our heads, isn't it? The yeah. argument we're having with ourselves. Yeah. Um, I thought it was it was a really excellent kind of literary tool to give them characterizations in the book. But sometimes we're just quite hard on ourselves, aren't we? About I, we I think, yeah, I mean, obviously, I've sort of projected mm. yeah, my own thoughts yeah. onto those inanimate objects. I mean, you asked about what inspired that idea. Mm-hmm. Another thing that really inspired the idea was a poem by Sylvia Plath called okay. Mirror. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Probably a long time ago. Yeah, it's in the voice. She wrote a poem called Mirror, which is in the voice of her mirror, or the voice of a woman's mirror. Mm -hmm. And it's the mirror describing how kind of 
aggrieved it is because it's only doing its job mm-hmm. and she comes day by day and yet she's never satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> and the mirror says things like, I've got the poem in front of me, says things like, um, I am not cruel, only truthful. Yeah. <laughs> and the poem ends, in me, she has drowned a young girl and in me, an old woman rises towards her day after day like a terrible fish. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, and the mirror's like, I didn't do anything. I'm the just mirror saying. is like, yeah. what, what, I, I don't understand. He yeah. says, um, also another point in the poem, he says, then she turns to those liars, the candles or the moon. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And I think um, I was really inspired by that because it's that sense of giving, an, when you give an inanimate object, mm-hmm a life and a voice mm-hmm. you actually yeah. learn quite a lot about yourself yeah um and i've used it as a i've used it as a classroom exercise when i'm teaching i've got the kids to choose an inanimate object from their house like their fridge or their front mm-hmm. door or their mobile phone and they have to write a list of questions they have to interview the object brilliant and the the answers when you make up what what the object says back to you kind of teaches you a lot more about your own self and your relationship with that object it's it's actually a really good creative writing exercise if anyone's listening who likes to yeah you know try and have try and exercise yeah pick something in your home it doesn't don't don't think about it too hard you know Mm. don't it doesn't have to be something with sentimental value but it's really interesting to kind of interview a fridge and think, well, how does it feel about its day? Yeah. yeah. How does it feel about the things that people say when they open it? Yeah. Yeah. Probably be a good exercise for a kind of slimming club to do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hello again. <laughs> <laughs> You're back. You're back already. It's only half 10 in the morning. <laughs> oh, brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. Is the book partly biographical? Would you say that it, the character it's, it's, is you? It's a memoir. I mean, it is a memoir. It is. Yeah, it's a memoir. Yeah. I mean, this okay. is me. Okay. Um, the the reason sometimes people question that is because I've had to because it's about school. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't just take teachers and of students course. and write yes. about them. Yeah, Everything's yeah, yeah, yeah. had to be juggled. Lots, all the events and the settings of and the course. people yeah, they've yeah. all been juggled up. Mm-hmm. But strangely, the the bits that are more about me, mm-hmm. they are more true. <laughs> Yes, they yeah. really did happen. So this is mm. yeah, me and my mirror and my scales. This is yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is real life. This is real life. Because I have to say, in reading the book, I thought I would have loved you as an English teacher. Would have oh. loved you because as hard as it was, because you do really tell the story of how teaching was, it was hard work mm. and it was tiring and it took up huge swathes of your time beyond your working hours and your weekends and time with your family and all of that stuff. But every time you said, oh, you know, today I did such and such a thing with year seven, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. I would have loved to do that. Or we did such an exercise or we read this play or I asked them to do this exercise. So I thought, oh, gosh, I I would have loved you as an English teacher. And I get the impression that if you could have gotten rid of some of the stuff that took up so much time and like emotional energy, you probably would have loved it more for longer mm. being or being able to love it more yeah I mean I just soak up so much of your life beyond the, the school walls yeah it it does really it does really suck 
your suck a lot of your sort of energy for other things yeah and I think I probably reflected that in the book mm. and I think also the thing with mirror and bathroom scales I, what I also wanted to look at in in the memoir really is the fact that so many of us get up in the morning and these we have all these insecurities mm-hmm. we get on we look in the mirror we get on the scales we judge ourselves yeah so harshly and then we go and do really responsible things yes uh, and I had to walk into classrooms and as I describe in the book, you know, I had to teach lessons on yeah. self-esteem. Yeah, yeah. I had to try and promote some of the things to the kids that I wasn't coping with very well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what kind of being grown up is about, isn't it? Is yeah. that ability to go and kind of say, well, yeah, actually I'm a mess inside, but somehow I have mm. to, I've got to control this class. Yes, exactly. And, and, you know, leave them with a little bit more info than when they arrived. Yeah. You know, yeah. And be the responsible one in the room. Mm. Um, yeah. Although <laughs> anyone who reads the book would probably see that wasn't always completely responsible. But yeah, then I, I there were I, a couple of you know skinnier teeth moments, but you got <laughs> but that's you part got of the it. fun. Anyway, oh, yeah. no, it was great. And there was um, there, I loved the the character who was um, she was just really clever and she always got all all things things oh, right. Rebecca, Rebecca, and every so often you know you'd kind of bemoan how terrible your class were and that. And the, not you, Rebecca. And yeah, it's just and that yeah. grew in Brewer's time. Which I'm not you, not you, not you, you just, Rebecca. No, it never no, applied to Rebecca. Never Rebecca, applied to Rebecca. And Rebecca was, um, I mean, she was representative of of several students that I had yeah. in my sixth form classes who really intimidated me because I felt inadequate. Yeah. And very often, um, especially for new teachers, mm. and I was quite experienced and still felt inadequate. You know, she did. She'd read more of the books than I'd read. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she yeah. she always had an answer. And mm. it's a real challenge when you have a student like that in your class and you have got to be on your toes. And I mm-hmm. think that that's what puts lots of the pressure on yeah. you're dealing with really bright kids. Um, not that it's not challenging to deal with kids who really don't know what they're doing. Mm. You know, it's just a different kind of challenge. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, teaching, I think, is like being on stage. You know, I've often compared it to the fact that you know, Michael McIntyre, for instance, he just goes on stage maybe once a night for mm-hmm. a couple of hours. Teachers, it's like uh, for a secondary teacher, you've got five or six or seven lessons. Yeah. And each one of them is like a mini performance. Yeah. You've got to get yeah. on the stage, look confident, mm-hmm. however you feel inside. Yeah. Keep it together. Um, yeah. And part of the narrative of the memoir mm-hmm. is my own sort of backstory about, you know, my own childhood. Yeah. And the reasons why I ended up being someone who didn't never let anyone help. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just not something you can do and get away with as a no. teacher, because no, no, if you no. don't let anyone help, you are yeah. down the pan so quickly. However funny, I think, you know, people say the book is really funny. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think you probably agree. There's quite a, a seam of real experience in there. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was quite poignant as it kind of certainly in the latter stages of the book you began to face the irony of working with school children and that setting raising some of your own childhood and adolescent Mm. history so that's another thing added to the pile of things that you have to deal with and do and Mm. and keep together well i hope you enjoyed that chat with fran hill that is just part one we're going to continue next week 
And our conversation slightly shifted at that point. We started to talk about and explore what's at the root of of not wanting to ask for help or when help is offered, not taking that help. That's how our conversation progressed. And that is where we're going to go next week. But for now, we are going to leave it there. And just before we go, Frankie. What is that about? Yeah, just a very short what's that about this week. I was uh, away for a few days and it was absolutely lovely. I had a really lovely time. But on more than one occasion, a lift door tried to decapitate me. Um, And there was one occasion where the lift door came crashing just as I was stepping into the lift, came crashing across and absolutely bashed into the side of an already tender arm from a previous fall. Yeah, I fell again. Don't even go there. But um, lift doors. Lately, lift doors have been very, very irritating. And I wonder if maybe uh, the budget in certain places is is a struggle and maybe they're not having the lifts maintained as much as they used to. I don't know. But lately, I just find I'm having a bit of trouble with lift doors trying to close before 100% of me is through the door. There we go. That's what what's irking me uh, but yeah that's it till next week part two of my interview with Fran in the meantime if you want to get in touch smile at annemariemiles.co.uk have a look at the website annemariemiles.co.uk uh, for sign up to the to the mailing list or buy me a coffee or listen to other episodes of the podcast or get in touch thank you so much for joining me I really hope that you enjoyed that chat with Fran And like I say, there's more to come. But in the meantime, I will see you and you will hear me next week. Bye bye.